Do you ever feel like the closer we get to Christmas, the more complicated life seems to get? That we are in a season where there's supposed to be joy and celebration, and yet it can be difficult. There can be challenges. And that it seems that everything that we do to try just it doesn't seem to cut it. And so how do we practice celebration when life is complicated, when situations aren't the way we want it. We don't, we're not doing exactly what we want for Christmas. We're not observing the traditions. Maybe we don't get to see certain family. How do we figure out how to celebrate, how to practice celebration when life gets complicated as we focus on God with us, love with us? the symbol of this Christ child coming into our lives, a representation of that love. And so beginning in this sense of, we're going to go to the book of Matthew. And the second chapter of Matthew, what's kind of interesting here is this story that we're going to, it's about the Magi, and the Magi aren't actually in any other story, they're not found in the birth narrative of Luke. It's very unique to Matthew. And what we're going to find is that life gets complicated really, really fast in this whole narrative because it's so easy to think about as we're listening to the Christmas carols that we love on the radio or we're streaming as there's holiday specials that this moment is serene. This moment is almost euphoric. The moment of Jesus coming into this world is easy. But what the story teaches us, even leading up to, shows us leading up to the birth, is that things are very, very difficult. And then after, it's still complicated. Even with the Magi who are bringing gifts, who want to honor and celebrate Jesus, who want to honor and celebrate and try to figure out what the signs are, what in the world is going on, what is so special about this moment. And a couple things about the Magi as we get into it. We really don't know much about the Magi. Scholars think maybe they are from Persia. Maybe they are practicing the religion of Zoroastrianism. That maybe they live far enough away that it's taken six months or more to get there. We don't know. In fact, anything that has them named or anything like that, those stories are those are like church tradition stories where people like try to fill in the blanks because we don't know. And we don't know because that's not what's important. What's important is the fact that they show up. What's important is the fact that they have a conversation with King Herod. And that kind of helps date this story because King Herod dies in 4 BCE. And so we actually know, okay, so if Jesus was born before and it took the Magi a while to get there, 
Some people would say, well, then maybe 6 BCE, and that whole dating of, wait a minute, I thought the whole thing about BC was before Christ and then AD, everything after. Like, what do you mean there's off? It's because of the way they calculated at the time. They think some of those dates, the way the, the calendar was set up, there are some discrepancies there. But that's really also not important. The important thing is that King Herod is part of this story. And this Herod is called Herod the Great. And he is considered great because of the building projects he did. He builds, he starts the building project of the temple. He also works really well with the Romans. So there's a little bit, a sense of kind of calmness in Jerusalem. And so he is given the title of great. But what's important to know about this guy is that he would often kill whoever he thought was a threat to his power. So he killed his children. He killed his favorite wife. He killed his brother-in-law. He killed his mother. So he really wouldn't win nice guy of the year or be the favorite person at a family gathering. King Herod was all about power. He was all about money. He was about control and greed. And so here we've got quite a moment where the Magi are going to show up and say something to Herod, where they're going to engage with him, but then the story, the way it moves along, shows us a real difference in what are we supposed to be focused on. And noticing how complicated the story gets when all the Magi wanted to do was honor and celebrate honor and celebrate this child who seems to be bringing a different way of living and being in this world. So starting in Matthew, the second chapter, verses one through three. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in the territory of Judea, during the rule of King Herod, Magi came from the east to Jerusalem. They asked, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We've seen his star in the east and we've come to honor him. When King Herod heard this, he was troubled, and everyone in Jerusalem was troubled with him. All right, so the Magi show up. These outsiders, they are outsiders because they are following the stars, which is not the case in Judaism. So we automatically know they're from some other region. They don't live there. They are outsiders based upon their religion, and they show up to King Herod, and they say to him, where is the newborn king of the Jews? to a guy who is fearful of losing power, who is very controlling, and all he wants to do is hold on to power with the tightest of grip, and now they're talking about someone else, another ruler. And so this reaction, this reaction that, you know, they've also come to honor this newborn king. When King Herod heard this, he was troubled, and everyone in Jerusalem was troubled with him. This moment of outsiders showing up, of saying, hey, there's a new king, and we've come to honor him. They've not come to honor Herod. Herod loved to be honored. Herod loved for people to fall at his feet. And here, they're like, no, no, it's somebody else. And Herod is troubled. Herod is fearful. Herod is like, who in the world are they talking about? Right? Magi come to honor and celebrate. Now Herod's about to make their life a little more complicated. 
undercutting, uh, conniving in a way. Continuing on in verses 4 through 6, he gathered all the chief priests and the legal experts and asked them where the Christ child was to be born. They said, in Bethlehem of Judea, for this is what the prophet wrote, you Bethlehem, land of Judah, by no means are you least among the rulers of Judah, because from you will come one who governs, who will shepherd my people. All right. So everybody's a little freaked out, right? If Herod's troubled, if Herod's fearful, if Herod's ready to take action, if he's not calm, that means he is going to upset other people's lives. And so everyone is troubled. All of Jerusalem, it just means everyone around him, everyone he has control over. Everybody's like, oh, what's he going to do next? And his first step is he is now going to call in the chief priests and the experts, the legal experts, and ask them, okay, <clears throat> Christ child. Where, where is this child going to be born? And they answer him with scripture. They answer him with this. In Bethlehem of Judea, for this is what the prophet wrote. You, Bethlehem, land of Judah, by no means are you least among the rulers of Judah, because from you will come one who governs, who will shepherd my people. All right, so the prophet who wrote this is writing this to comfort the people is writing this and expounding upon this and connecting with the people at a very different time, many, many millenniums earlier, well, not millenniums, centuries earlier, to convey that God is with them and God will raise up a leader and God will guide them. God's presence has not left the people. So what the chief priests and the legal experts give is supposed to be an encouraging, an encouraging moment. But Herod, Herod doesn't hear it that way. Herod doesn't receive it that way. Instead, Herod receives this as a threat to himself. And at this moment of going, hmm, what do we focus, to, focus upon when we hear something we don't understand, when something's go coming around us, when, when people say things and we're like, well, that's kind of odd. I'm not sure of that. What are we focused upon? Are we trying to hear the words of encouragement in it? Or are we hearing it through a lens of fear? A lens of the world is falling apart because it's not exactly the way we want it. And so are we complicating the matter by what we choose to focus upon in the moment. Where is there hope and encouragement in the moment? And where can we find it? Who can we go to? Where can we get it from? Or are we gonna focus on it's not the way we want? It's not the way that we think things should go. And so here the story draws us in that when we feel like it's getting complicated, when we're like, man, I cannot believe one more thing, or I can't believe that person said, or, oh, who do I have to see now, or what did I miss, or what did I forget, or, oh, oh, oh my goodness, I can't do one more thing. When we feel that life is getting complicated and it is crushing in on us being able to practice celebration, how do we begin to go, wait a minute, what am I really focused upon here? What am I focused upon? Does it, am I focused upon something that really actually matters? 
focused upon a scripture here of going, wait a minute, there's encouragement that God has not left us, that, that God has not left us alone in this world, that we are still to be guided. And this is kind of interesting. Guided by one who is you least among the rulers of Judah, because you, from you will come one who governs, who will shepherd my people Israel. Bethlehem didn't have much power. Bethlehem was small. Bethlehem was considered kind of insignificant. And going, wait a minute, God has not left us no matter if we feel like we don't have it all together, like we can't figure out a way forward. God has not left us. Herod is focused upon the power, the might, whereas the scriptures go, no, 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 God hasn't left us and it has nothing to do with whether you are good enough, capable enough, whether or not your bank account is large or you're living in palaces, we have worth. We are capable because God is with us. God is guiding us. God has not left us. And how often do we focus upon things like that when life gets complicated? Continuing on in verses 7 through 9. Then Herod secretly called for the Magi and found out from the time when the star had first appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem saying, go and search carefully for the child. When you found him, report to me so that I may go and honor him. When they heard the king, they went and looked. The star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stood over the place where the child was. All right, so Herod has this information from the legal experts, from the chief priests, and he secretly calls for the Magi. He secretly calls for the outsiders to come back because he doesn't want to admit he doesn't know. He doesn't have all the information. He doesn't have control of the situation, and he's going to use them. He wants to use them for his benefit, to do his bidding. He's trying to sideline. He's trying to bring them into his complicated, even more complicated scheme. And notice something. The Magi don't say anything to him. They just listen. The Magi never say another word to Herod. Because the Magi... The Magi are supposed to be paying attention to their surroundings, supposed to be very aware of what's going on. Because this whole thing of they saw the stars and they said, wait a minute, there, there's something going on here. We need to follow that star. We need to go and see what in the world is going on. That they are very self-aware of the world around them. And that because of their perception, because of the way that they are making sure that they try to understand those around them, the things that they see, the things that they hear, they are like, mm, I don't think we need to respond. And in this moment, it's really important for us to recognize that there are times that when life gets really complicated or somebody wants to draw us into a situation, there's a time for us to be silent. There's a time for us to listen. There's a time for us to speak. There's a time for us to go in a different direction. There's a time for us to begin to go, hold up, wait a minute. It's kind of like Ecclesiastes 3. There's a time, a season for everything under heaven. And here the Magi are like, Ooh, 
we're going to pay attention to what's going on here. We're going to pay attention and we're going to listen, but we may be taking a different direction because I don't think we can trust this guy who says he wants to honor like we want to honor. And so when life is getting complicated, when we're feeling like, mm, I don't know how we're going to keep celebrating or how to even celebrate in this moment of recognizing that part of practicing celebration is being very aware of our surroundings, being very aware of paying attention to those conversations and relationships in our life, to be very much like, okay, what is this situation? To ask questions, to try to figure out Sometimes it means that for us to practice celebration, we may have to turn off the TV, put down our phones, pause that YouTube video and go, wait a minute, I think I need to talk to, talk with. I think I need to be in conversation with to be able to listen and respond. Because the Magi are going to respond. They're going to respond in silence and taking a new direction. But to recognize that to practice celebration, we need to be very aware and paying attention to our surroundings, kind of what is going on. Continuing on in verses 10 through 12. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with Mary, his mother. Falling to their knees, they honored him. When they opened their treasure chest and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Because they were warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they went back to their own country by another route. So the Magi stay focused on what's important. That even as things get complicated, as Herod's trying to sideline, sidetrack, kind of maneuver them, bring them under his control, that they're going to stay focused on they are here to honor and they are here to celebrate. They're here to try to gain a little bit of understanding of, wait a minute, what, what in the world is going on? This child that's been born is this moment of going, wait a minute, God is still with us. God is with us. Love is with us. That even in the face of Herods of the world, that love is still with us. And it may not look like what we think it should, and it may come in surprising ways, but love is with us. And here the Magi stay focused upon that, and they are able to feel that joy, to, to go in and fall to their knees. They submit themselves. They give themselves over to the moment. They give themselves over to love and celebration. And to think about that for ourselves, of being able to give ourselves over even when life is complicated, when there's going to probably have to be a response, of taking those small little moments and being able to give ourselves over, to submit ourselves to a little bit of joy, to recognizing that love in the moment. Because love surrounds us constantly, whether we realize it or not. It just may take us a little bit of time to be very aware, to be able to perceive, to be able to point to. But here, it's this moment of going, if we're going to practice celebration, we have to give ourselves over to the moment. And then they do something else. They then give gifts. And we can think of that as gifts and abilities. They are able, they have the ability to share something 
that's important to them, something that is attached to them, something that is part of them, they are able to give over to the moment, over to this child, over to this love with us. And they give gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And what's interesting is with gold, we've got, we've got a whole lot of symbols in these gifts. And gold is a gift of kings, but it's also saying of worth. It's something precious. It's something valued. It's something seen as important and good. And so they give over. They give of what they can to this love with us, to this family. And then the frankincense. Frankincense is kind of interesting because it's used in the ancient world in several different ways. But one of them is that it was used by priests for some sacrifices. So they're right there, a little bit of foreshadowing. But frankincense also has a lot of healing properties. And so it is used in different ways to heal. In fact, there are many different types of frankincense. Even today, it is used in healing and in cancer research. So this sense of healing. Myrrh. Myrrh is used at the time of bodies of death in the ancient world, but it was also used for purification. It was used at the in the purification of Queen Esther. It was also used for healing. And if we think about that foreshadowing of saying, here's this child of worth, what Jesus is going to do with his life is going to be of worth and is going to be because it is of healing nature. And so to think about that, to think about how their gifts and abilities convey a sense of worth and healing to the Christ child and how our own, if we're thinking about how to practice celebration in really complicated things of going, what gifts and abilities do I have? Because each of us, every one of us, you have gifts and abilities that God has given you and they can be the smallest and of the biggest and everything in between in all kinds of ways. But to think about those gifts and abilities to be used of saying, of recognizing that they are of worth, even when we think that they are small and insignificant, that they absolutely are not. Bethlehem was not insignificant. That our gifts and abilities are significant and that they can be used to heal that they can be used to heal and help others. And so when we're practicing celebration, part of it is of going, if when we do use our gifts and abilities to help others, to be able to understand that that is an act of celebration, that is practicing celebration, just like the Magi are doing. And then they use their ability and gift, once again, of perceiving, of paying close attention to the world around them, that they have a dream that says, you got to go in a different direction, that you need to stay away from King Herod. And to think about that for ourselves, 
that sometimes when we are paying close attention to our gifts and abilities, the way that we engage with others, the way that we cultivate our relationships, the way that we deal when life gets complicated, that there are times where we need to go in a completely different direction. We need to go and say, okay, wait a minute, I got to try something new. I cannot continue on the same path. And that in and of itself is practicing celebration. And so here they go. And then finishing up, once they've left, in verses 13 through 15. When the Magi had departed, an angel from the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod will soon search for the child in order to kill him. Joseph got up and during the night took the child and his mother to Egypt. He stayed there until Herod died. This fulfilled what the Lord had spoken through the prophet, I have called my son out of Egypt. All right, so now Joseph, who also has this gift, this ability to be very aware of the situation around, to listen, to, to pay attention to what's going on, has a dream. And this isn't the first time Joseph, a Joseph, has a dream. In fact, this should remind the reader of Joseph in Genesis, who has a dream connected to Egypt. He has a dream about grain, about how to store, that they are going to have to store a whole lot of grain in order that during a time of famine, the people will live. Joseph now has a dream that helps him keep life flourishing for his family that he now is able to perceive and to be aware that he is like having this moment of going, wait a minute, to, the life is important, life to flourish here, I must take us to Egypt. Again, that sense of how do we use our gifts and abilities, not only to heal others, but also to make room, to cultivate, to make space for life to flourish our lives and the people around us to flourish, to flourish and be connected to God, this God of love, this God of God being with us in this child of love being with us, of how do we get to cultivate that, that part of practicing celebration, and especially in this moment, in this season, is going, okay, even though life gets complicated, and life is very complicated at the moment for Joseph, he has got to take them to Egypt. Life is very complicated, but a sense of what are we going to focus on in this moment, of how God is guiding and how God is leading of how we are going to get through this moment in ways maybe that we hadn't first conceived of, that we hadn't really thought about before, but because we're paying attention, we're trying to use our gifts and abilities with others to lift them up, to encourage, to be able to listen and respond in new ways. Sometimes in words and action and other times in silence, but that all of it gives space for life to flourish, for others to experience God's love. Because as, as I've said before many times, all humans want, all we want is to be loved and to belong. And so when we use our gifts and abilities, when we make that space, when life is getting complicated, of are we focused upon how we are loving one another, 
of how we are allowing our gifts and abilities to share that love with one another? Or are we focused more like Herod is on the fear and it is too complicated and we cannot figure this out and the world is falling apart and we begin to hold on and to control in ways that begin to kind of take apart our life and we feel that pressure, that burden, that as it gets to this season, it feels more complicated and problems um, than we could ever imagine. And to go, wait a minute, where's God? Where is God with me in my pain? Where is God with me in that concern? And how am I sharing that with others? This moment of going, wait a minute, how is this story, how does this story become part of how we live? Not just today, not just in this season, but how are we going to take this story with us throughout the rest of the year? Of going, how can I live into love when life gets complicated? How can I practice celebrating when life gets complicated in the smallest, what we may sometimes deem insignificant ways, but aren't? How might we live into this love that has never left us? Amen. Mm -hmm.